Gadgets again, and I guess this is my second segment for Hash Public Radio, talking about kind of the history of computers. Uh, it's not my first computer, because I already talked about that, my 1802 Cosmac Elf, but this is a continuation of the early days of microcomputing and the computers that I owned during that the start of the computer revolution. So phoning it in again for Kansas City, and uh, the second computer, I guess, that I really owned past the Cosmac Elf was a 6502-based uh, computer. Uh, and, you know, of course, the 6502, the 6800, and the, the uh, Z80 were really the ones that were in competition at this particular point. This is the, oh, a couple of years after the initial 8008-based computers. The the uh, so the 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 Z80 was uh, a popular computer and had a lot of S100 bus computers. The S100 bus was an early bus uh, that was available for plug-in cards and things like that. By this time, we're talking about mostly computers that were uh, going to be uh, computers that you could. Uh, use with a keyboard, they'd have a composite video output that you could use with a monitor. So you no longer had to have that teletype machine in order to save uh, uh, and even load a, uh, a, a program in if it was a higher level language kind of a program, uh, even assembly language. And uh, so we had progressed along there. Uh, about this time is when the Apple I came up, uh, and it was a kit computer, of course with the Steves, Wozniak, and Jobs there in California, and the California Computing, you know, uh, Homebrew Computer Club there in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, there were several S100s. I remember one that was called the Sol 20. And, oh, man, I left it after that Sol 20, but I, there's no way I was going to be able to uh, afford that. So... Uh, the, there's another episode I'm going to talk about, probably about why I got into computing in the first place, given the fact that I have a music degree. But uh, in the, I was working in the recording studio at the University of Missouri's Conservatory of Music, and we had a pretty extensive uh, Moog synthesizer, uh, big wall about uh, oh five feet tall and eight feet wide of modules for the Moog synthesizer. And to actually be able to have that be computer controlled, uh, we did have a little bit uh, later than the Sol 20 and everything like that, but somewhere right around this time, uh, 77, uh, 78, somewhere in there, they got a Commodore PET computer. Uh, Commodore being very familiar with a lot of you, I think, because you know the Commodore VIC-20 or Commodore 64 were your first computers. Well, this was a precursor to that. It was an all-in-one computer. It looked like a terminal, 
You know, it had the tube and the keyboard all in one with the computer board in there, a la the uh, Model 3 Radio Shack and all those kinds of things. Uh, the Radio Shack Model 1 had come out by now. I never had the money for a Radio Shack Model 1, although I did do a lot of programming on it because there was one store in the Kansas City area that actually had a Model 1 in the store that you could actually go in and see it. Uh, it, the, it was a franchise store, and the guy who owned the franchise, his brother-in-law had bought it. And he, he had convinced him to leave it in the store, and he would program it to do inventory control for him, for his business. Still cassette. Cassette had come on for saving and, and storing of programs, so that was a, a big improvement over the old punch tape or having to enter it in by hand every single time. And uh, Commodore, com I actually owned a Commodore programmable calculator. A lot of us, the programmable calculators were the first things that uh, uh, you had that you could actually program that had a keyboard and a display. Uh, I had an early Commodore programmable calculator that was of a reasonable cost and got that for, as a birthday present. Uh, so there was that Vic, uh, I mean, sorry, that, that Commodore PET computer. It had a special bus that had the capability of controlling instruments like uh, you know, assist, uh, laboratory instruments and things like that. And that's why we had that in the recording studio was we could use that to control some instrumentation that we had as part of that Moog uh, lab and things like that. So I had access to those, but uh, the actual first computer that I had with a keyboard and a and the video built in and all that kind of stuff that I could afford was a uh, Ohio Scientific computer, and it was 6502 based. Uh, as I said, there was a 6800, the 6502, and the Z80, and this one happened to be based on the 6502. And it had the keyboard. It kind of looked like a, a, a large electric typewriter, but uh, the back part didn't have a printer included in it. In fact, it uh, had the computer board and all those kinds of things. You took up a cassette to load and save programs, and it had a video out for a video monitor. So I managed to scrounge enough money together to afford Ohio Scientific and uh, could use that to program in BASIC taught myself basic, and eventually got myself a job for the local Ohio Scientific computer dealer here in town, writing programs for the Ohio Scientific Systems and uh, selling, you know, being the salesman in his little storefront operation that he operated here in Kansas City. So that was my second computer that I actually owned, and then eventually I got a Radio Shack Color computer when it came out. It was a 6809, so it was a 6800-based computer. The 6500 and 6800 series computers were very similar to one another. There was some kind of commonality. I forget exactly what it was in the original development of those. So the instruction sets are very similar. The uh, actual layout of you know how the CPU worked and how uh, everything worked in the system were very, very similar. The Z80 was a completely different kind of an animal. It was a different kind of a thing. So the 6809 uh, had the same advantage of the Cosmic Elf. There were a few things kind of built into it, made it a little bit easier and fewer parts counts. Because we're talking about discrete parts and, and dip, you know, dual inline package parts back then. So they'd take up a lot of room on your board. And there were fewer parts that were necessary in order to design a 6809 as opposed to a 6800, which was the original Motorola processor 
that came out. 6800 was Motorola, and I forget who it was that made the 6500s. The PET had that 6500 computer, uh, and the the color computer then had the Radio Shack. Uh, by then, I had read, you know, my first Byte magazines, taught myself everything I knew about computers uh, out of reading of magazines, taught myself programming, and eventually uh, made my living as a computer programmer, all self-taught. And so there was one other computer I thought that was of note here in this transitional phase of, of these computers that were pre, uh, you know, PC, right? Pre-IBM PC and MS-DOS and all that kind of stuff in the early days. And that was earlier than even the uh, Commodore PET. There was a, uh, a small single board computer called the KIM, the K-I-M. I forget what that stood for. Anyway, the Kim was also a 6500-based computer, and it was kind of similar to the Cosmac Elf because it had a little hex pad to enter in programs and little LED displays uh, that were actually soldered to the board to give you some output and things like that. Uh, and it was a single board computer. Uh, it was a lot better than the Cosmac Elf, though, because of the expandability of it. It was a nice single board computer. It was designed as a single board computer, and you could uh, you had some good input output from that and everything like that. I found one of those used uh, out east of Kansas City and uh, drove out there to purchase that. Uh, and I and I found that in the paper. I think you know this was before the internet, so uh, I, I found an advertisement that he had it for sale and purchased that from him. And this was oh, not quite 20 miles uh, east of Kansas City, 15 miles or so. Drove into town to go to one of my best friends in, in college's house and show him my uh, my Kim computer that I had just bought, my single board computer. And he talked me out of it, and I owned that computer for about three hours, I think, maybe a little bit less than that, because I bought it from the guy who I bought it from used, and then I sold it to my friend, and he eventually used that and put it into his keyboard that he had for his PAIA synthesizer, which was uh, a bunch of modules that you could build by hand and build your own synthesizer from scratch. And he had put together all these modules for the synthesizer. He worked in a recording studio with me and with the Moog synthesizer and all that kind of stuff. And this is kind of like the poor man's version of that. Might call in a whole episode on early days of synthesizers. But he used it and bounded it in his keyboard and then used that to provide uh, MIDI control to his uh, synthesizer. Uh, this was, you know, the, the actual keyboard that he had for his PAIA was a resistive keyboard. You push down the key at a certain point, and that would short out a resistive strip, and whatever the resistance was was the equivalent of the voltage, which would control the oscillator, which would be the pitch. And so he had no way to feed in computerized kinds of things. So with the Kim, he could actually feed in and control the voltages with the computer. He'd have programmable tunes that he could do. He had a sequencer. And he even had MIDI, which is the standard input-output for synthesizers that he could do through that Kim computer. So it lived a good life, and it performed well over several years for him. But I only owned that computer for about uh, three hours, like I say. So I can't really say how great the Kim was as a single-board computer. 
uh, from direct usage, just from uh, watching how it was used. Anyway, I think that will conclude things for this second episode of the History of Computing uh, pre-DOS, pre-IBM PC computing here. Uh, this is Mr. Gadgets, and I think the next uh, one that I'm going to call in is My Path Towards Linux, which oddly enough is going to be related to the color computer, and I'll leave that as a teaser. We'll talk to you next time. Be careful out here on the technological frontier. This is Mr. Gadgets, your trailblazer out here, and I'll be looking at a path for you here. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.